Welcome back to another episode of Teachers at a Crossroads. Our guest today is Brenda Martin. Brenda is a long-serving UK teacher who has seen education change so much over the decades. She's experienced both the highs and the lows of teaching, and she lives to tell the tale. So, hi Brenda, and thank you so much for joining us to tell us your story. Thank you. Hi everyone, and thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be able to tell my story. I went to teacher training college in Aberdeen in Scotland in 1965 and graduated in 1968. It seems like many lifetimes ago now. I had just turned 21 and I started teaching that year. Can you tell us why you chose teaching as, as your profession? Well, remember, it was a time when girls wanted to be a teacher or a nurse. There were very few other opportunities that were kind of thought of, what you were told about at that time. And there weren't so many opportunities, particularly for women. I'd always wanted to be a teacher from the age of five, and that really never changed. Um, remember, the 1960s was also the first time that there were opportunities for more people to get grants to go on to higher education. And luckily enough, my parents were able to um, push me in that direction. Wow. So that, that was a blessing then. Parents pushing people to their youngsters is not always a blessing. No, I think, <laughs> I think when I was 18, I didn't particularly like it. But now, I, you know, in hindsight, amazing. I first started teaching in Edinburgh, my hometown. I stayed there for two years and was teaching in primary school. And then a friend and myself decided that we wanted to hit London. It was, remember, the rocking 70s. And so we went for an interview at County Hall in central London. We both got a job in the same school, which was in um, Maida Vale, and off we went. Um, it was the time of real turbulence in schools, turbulence in politics with Enoch Powell and different, all sorts of things going on. Most of our children were Afro-Caribbean um, and were used to a different kind of regime at that particular time. However, we stayed there for a few years and then I went on um, to teach in a school in Hampstead for a few years. My guess is that in such a long career, I imagine you've come across one or two crossroads in your time. There were many crossroads and it's also mainly due to the fact that I moved around and also jobs were easy to get at that time. So you didn't have the fear of moving and then discovering that you couldn't get a job. So after having been in London for about seven years, um, I moved to Bedford with my partner and I decided that I particularly like a change in education. So I got a job in a school for um, special needs children, um, teaching them la speech, language and reading. At that particular time, I also did a diploma in the, the Open University um, in teaching of reading. I then moved back to London suburb in Kingston-upon-Thames and very quickly got a contract in another special school for exactly the same job that I had been doing in Bedford. I also then got a contract for a year in another school and that was the year in which I got married. I had two children 
and decided to take about around about two and a half years out of teaching when the children were young. Didn't really realise at the time how lucky I was and the great opportunities available. Times have changed since then. I then got a job as a peripatetic teacher, um, teaching children who were coming into the area whose English was a second language. So I went round free schools and remember my children were very young at the time and I stayed within that contract for about seven years while my children grew up and then I was able to go back into full-time education. It really sounds like the work was very varied going from school to school. You must have seen pupils progressing, which is always a great thing, and also got to see the inner workings of various schools as well. Okay, yeah. It was it was an amazing job that I really, really liked it because it was working with lots of different ethnic groups that were coming into the area with refugees as well. A new curriculum had just come in at that time and I was incredibly fortunate that I managed to get a senior position in one of the schools where I had actually done the peripatetic teaching beforehand. This meant I had a classroom. I was still a classroom teacher, but I had the responsibilities for equal opportunities and multicultural education. It was incredibly interesting um, because I was also able to um, do courses on different religions and become find out about different faiths, different cultures, uh, different celebrations, which were the children of the school were involved in. Do you think that at, at this time these were kind of newish areas to be involved in? It really sounds like quite a forward-thinking school. So how long were you there? All in all, I was in the school for about, I think it was about 16 years in all. Um, it started off, as I say, with multicultural education and equal opportunities. It was a really good time. Um, we had an amazing staff, very committed staff, because it was a challenging school. And staff there were committed to multicultural education and multi in a multi-faith school, which in that particular area was not that common as time went on, I had took on other responsibilities and it was all in all a really good time. I'm coming up to something really, really big. Ofsted happened and it turned everything upside down. They had another new curriculum. They expected everyone to have that new curriculum absolutely 100% in place when they came round. They were not clear in what they wanted from schools. They came in for the first time for a week. We didn't know when they were coming into your classroom. You didn't know what they were doing. It was a really, really difficult time. And all teachers suffered greatly. So that went on. The, the first um, Ofsted in the school was, was good. And then as time went on in everything, things change, um, things move on. And I managed to keep up with um, the curriculum, with um, new technology, which was coming in fast. And it, it was all right. It was still very, very challenging because the paperwork then became so horrendous. Pupils became ticks and boxes rather than names. And the whole system changed just dramatically and was no longer looked like the teaching that I had done for years. 
The first Ofsted inspection that we had at the school um, was very, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was hard. But it wasn't too bad, and we came out of it and learned a lot of things. However, the next Ofsted, there had been a new curriculum in, put in place. They expected us to have this new curriculum, particularly numeracy and literacy, in place. We hadn't had enough time to do this. Things take time. Change takes time. However, this was not acceptable. And we went into special measures, nearly went into special measures, which means that Inspectors are going to come in, look at the, look at the teachers, see what we do. Um, we have to do demonstration lessons for inspectors, etc., etc., etc. Teachers were absolutely deflated. It was uh, the most horrendous time. Teachers were ill. They were under stress. They took time off. It was just unbelievable, really. And that time, I just wanted out. Gosh. I often wonder if the Ofsted inspectors actually are aware of the trail of destruction that they often leave behind in their wake. So tell us, how did this actually unfold? I was in a situation where I had other responsibilities in the school. Teachers were coming to me for help. Um, I helped them as much as I could, but I wasn't able to help them in their situation because I'd never been in that situation before either. So, yeah, I just wanted out. However, I had two children who at that time were just about to go to university. I had a mortgage. I had a broken marriage and I needed to stay at least within that situation. Otherwise, I think I would have just gone under. What do I do? The situation is, you know, it's it, it's one that you're in and you, you feel dreadful about it, but there's no support. There's where do you go? So after a few, you know, months, really, after this had happened, I began to think it was now about six years until I retired and I had to think about what was I going to do? I didn't really feel in the situation where I could apply for another job because I didn't feel confident. I'd lost my confidence as everybody in the school had done as well. And so I began to kind of get very angry, actually. And I think my anger took me to a place of, well, what do I do? I'm stuck. I'm in a situation that I do not like. I'm unhappy. And then I thought, this is the environment I'm in. I actually can change parts of it, but I can't change the overall situation that has happened. So I have to then start looking into myself and finding that place of strength to pull me through this. And I think with because all the teachers in the school, we were a very um, supportive group. And I think that helped. And we were all managed to pull together and help each other through this real crisis Coming out of it now, how do you feel, or not now, but then, how do you feel? I think I became stronger for it. I think my experiences throughout my years had given me the strength to do it because I was able to then look. And I remember at one point sort of writing down all the things that I liked about teaching. And the one thing that came out all the time was I love being with children. That has been my vocation. So after six years, Ofsted came again. We had put everything in place. Everything was right. We had all worked as a, a team very, very hard to get policies correct, to get all the paperwork that they wanted. They came and we had an incredible Ofsted. So a real, real victory. So I thought, right, time to go. Go on a victory. Don't hang around. 
Wow, it really does sound like a very, very tight-knit team. So together, you were able to totally turn things around. Although, I imagine in some some way that the victory was kind of bittersweet. What were your next steps? I retired. Children had finished university, so they were no longer as much a responsibility. I sold my house, packed the car, and with my partner, we went to live in Spain. That sounds really exciting. I know how much I love moving to new places. In the first year, we'd bought a house there. In our first year, we did the CELTA course and I got a job in a small language school, which was okay. It lasted for a couple of years, but it wasn't my cup of tea, really. However, the most incredible opportunity came along. It actually makes me quite emotional. They were looking for teachers, particularly primary teachers, from anywhere in the world, really, English-speaking, to go and train teachers in Malaysia, particularly to train years one and years two, which years one and years two in Malaysia is seven to nine-year-olds, and to be training them in the beginnings of reading and also in English language. So there I go. We had proton cars, brand new ones that we picked up. Everybody had their own car. We had our own phones. They gave us laptops. They gave us money to set up um, an apartment. They gave us an allowance for um, petrol. They gave us an allowance for our telephones. And off we went. That kind of a job just seems to be such one of those, I suppose, really rare opportunities. So tell us more. We all had five schools. And my first five schools were in a little place called Telekintan that nobody knows of in Malaysia, right in the middle of the jungle. And it was we had five schools and we went to each school. We did workshops, we did demonstration lessons. And it was the most amazing, amazing experience ever. From there, we moved to Kuala, got into schools in Kuala Lumpur. Again, five different schools, one Chinese, one Indian, and three Malay schools. And again, doing the same thing, demonstration lessons, huge workshops for 100, up to 200 people they used to come. We were just treated like in the most amazing way. And it was just the most incredible experience. And I just thought, well, all those years, you know, of my experience and actually landed in this paradise, <laughs> really. <laughs> because also teaching, living in Kuala Lumpur, you know, we, they gave us what would be a UK salary. Kuala Lumpur is a lot cheaper to live, well, much, much cheaper to live in. And we lived in apartments with Olympic swimming pools. We ate well and it was just the most amazing time. So about five to six years of that, and then I had responsibility in another international school for a year for being their head of English. So how's that for an ending? However, it's not the end. Um, came back to, Scot- to back to Spain in 2017 and decided to move down to the coast just as the pandemic hit. Uh, so now I'm going to the gym every day. I've taken up hypnotherapy and yeah, so life's good. Brenda, I cannot thank you enough for sharing such an incredible and often emotional journey. 
that spans more than 40 years of education. You've seen so many changes from 1965 through to, I think you went to uh, Malaysia in something like 2010, 2011. You've been in Spain, you've got a house in Spain. Wow, it is an incredible story. You've seen so many things, some of them good, some of them bad. You've been buffeted by the storms. But I, I feel that from you, you've got a courage and a strength that's enabled you to stay standing. And to finish on such a high with your amazing work in Malaysia is incredible. But hopefully you'll come back again and tell us a lot more about what happened in Malaysia. It sounds so interesting. Okay, folks, that's all for today. You can contact Brenda if you want to join our Facebook group, Teachers at a Crossroads. And remember, if you have a story to tell, we're waiting here eagerly to help you get it out there. Ciao for now.